Welcome back to The Rewatchables. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. I'm Andrew Gerdadaro. There's one thing that we don't hate, not even a little bit, not even at all, and it's this podcast. It's a widely known fact that the Stratford sisters aren't allowed to date. For every girl who's ever hoped. Daddy, as you know, it's the prom. Every guy who's ever tried. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No! And anyone. You're concentrating awfully hard considering it's a gym class. Who's ever been taken completely by surprise? You're not as vile as I thought you were. Ten things I hate about you. Which one do you like better? Lady PG 13 starts March 31st. We are talking about the famed, wonderful, beloved film, Ten Things I Hate About You, starring Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, and many more. The many mores we're going to parse. It's really a who's who of the late 90s and early 2000s. It's a prescient film. Absolutely. And it's almost everyone's breakout role. The only person who had already broken out was Larissa Olenek, and she was, of course, Alex Mack. Yes. I just want to say I prefer Alex Mack to Bianca of this film. I fully agree with that take. So the movie was released in 1999. And um, originally, we'll just get right into the categories with some uh, casting what ifs. And um, maybe one of the reasons we don't like Larissa Atlantic as Bianca is because she wanted to play Cat. That and, doesn't work for me at all. And according to IMDb, Julia Stiles wanted to play Bianca. Yes. So then no. some brilliant casting director was like, no, girls, no, ladies. <laughs> you are, will play these parts instead. It is also possible that some brilliant IMDb commenter just typed those things. Sure. Because... IMDb right. doesn't have the same sourcing requirements that Wikipedia does, and even those are loose. It's true, and I wanted to play this role, but then I got cast in this role, and history was made as like a fairly common film narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even even more important is uh, the role of Patrick Verona, played by Heath Ledger in his first American movie, was also desired by Ashton Kutcher mm-hmm. and Josh Hartnett. I could see Josh Hartnett. Hartnett in this role. could do it. Yeah, he could do it. He's like dark enough. Yeah. Sure. Ashton Kutcher would have been a problem. Would have been a different movie. Luckily, Heath Ledger got the role, and um, many will tell you that they started filming without him. And so he was sort of like, much like he is in the film, he was kind of like a mysterious presence that then won everyone over. It just seems like Heath Ledger's had it. It's so sad that he's gone. I was really rewatching it for this podcast. I was really struck, again, it's extremely sad. Mm-hmm. And I was also struck by how this is 100% the iconic Heath Ledger role in my mind. Like, absolutely yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this is how I think of him. <laughs> yeah, and I understand that he, you know, he was wonderful in Brokeback. He was the obviously Joker. the Joker is kind of the iconic superhero. Sure. But uh, yeah. Those roles are so dark. And they play into the overarching Heath Ledger narrative that ends with his death, a very untimely and tragic death. And I think it's kind of a relief to watch 10 Things I Hate About You and remember that he was like a really fun, charismatic, normal human, unlike those characters that were so deeply, like, one was wounded and one was wounding. Like, it, it's just like, it was sort of like a nice, fresh breath of air in terms of Heath Ledger, like, memories. It's absolutely a big personality performance. Yeah. He's like actually funny in this movie too yes he is there's this scene where he's talking to uh cameron after bianca kisses cameron and he's like i love her again because she kissed me and he goes where (laughs) (laughs) and then cameron says on the lips (laughs) his face gets so sad because he's so disappointed about how like 
uh, grade school this whole thing is. It's a it's just a great moment. Uh, what is your most rewatchable scene, Andrew? So I'm just going to say Bowie Lowenstein's party ah. is my most rewatchable, starting with the scene where they throw the flyers down the uh, I object stairwell. to this answer. This is like you're selecting a whole portion of okay, the movie. Okay, yeah. I'm cheating a little bit. Um, if I have to pick one little thing, it's <laughs> Julia Stiles dancing on the table to hypnotize. Very glad you brought this up. She says in several interviews that she received the role in Save the Last Dance as a result of this performance. Which is like a backhanded compliment? Well, this was one of my unanswerable questions. Why is she such a better dancer in 10 Things I Hate About You that she doesn't save the last dance? Because of tequila. She's horrible in Save the Last Dance. I was always like, why did they cast her? She's supposed to be a ballerina in Save the Last yeah, Dance, right? Yeah, learns, mm-hmm. learns hip-hop dance in, in the mean streets of Chicago. Right. Well, you know, there are some... Maybe the quality of her dance in Save the Last Dance is reflecting the problems and the premise of that film. Just sure, a thought. Sure. <laughs> Just a general thought. <laughs> Not to say that Julia Stiles up on the table dancing to hypnotize is the best version sure. of this situation, but just... She looks great that. doing it. Yeah, she does. No and bra. I, uh... <laughs> I vividly remember yeah, when this movie just, came Andrew, out. That, that Andrew vividly wise. remembers. Uh, <laughs> I vividly remember my sister, who's three years older than me. Um, so she was probably like 15 when this came out. She showed it to my mom and said, this is how teenagers dance. What? <laughs> on top of tables? And like every time I own? see this movie, oh, I'm no. like, what? No, it's not. But yeah, um, that's why it's so important to me. It's a really good visual cue. If if that movie came out now, it would be like an incredible gif that would just be used quite often. Her a like, long one, yeah. It would be like, uh, I whip my hair back and forth, but um, Julia Stiles. That's true. It also does the, I had somehow forgotten it until it started, and then just kind of this rush of remembrance and shame rushed through my body. <laughs> it does it does a good job of being memorable and also very awkward. It's not she's not supposed yeah. to be it's she's not supposed, to be, supposed to be a proud moment on behalf she's of She's very right. drunk. Cat. She hits yeah. her head on on the light yeah. fixture. Exactly. Which actually works as like a great coda to the end of her dancing routine. Totally. It's yeah. like a great finale. <laughs> um Amanda, your most wa- rewatchable scene? I love you baby. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much. At long last, love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. Heath Ledger dancing along to Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Number one, and we were discussing this earlier, I'm pretty sure that is how I learned the song. Mm. Or maybe at Lauren Hill and then yes. we saw this movie and then we learned that there was an original. Either this was how I learned the song or else it was Lauren Hill had released a cover of this song a year before and then it was in this movie and it took me a very long time to realize that both were covers of a song by Frankie Valli yeah. from the 60s yep. which I have no memory of or no knowledge of for a very long time I think my dad was like no you know this is an old song right <laughs> <laughs> 
But I would say if you say Heath Ledger to me, this is the first thing I scene I think of. Yeah, definitely. He's also like he's literally strutting and he has so much energy. He's and, bouncing down those steps. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say all of these this movie was filmed entirely on location. Yes. Yep. At least according to my half ass internet research, <laughs> which we'll come back to. So this means that that gigantic stadium, an impressive staircase, and the Hogwarts-looking school yeah. is a real school? Yes, in Tacoma, Washington. Stadium High School. That's a high school? Yes. yes. Who is going to high school right? at Hogwarts? That's crazy. Is it it's still operational? It's the coolest thing in the world. It's really beautiful school. It's fantastic. Sur- it's wasted on teenagers. Surprised they don't film more things there, actually. Yeah, though I, it's kind of iconic at this point. It can only be that school. That's true. My question about the high school was yes. um, it rains a lot in that area. First of all, no rain. they filmed in the summer, so that's why it doesn't rain in the summer there. But like, what happens at that school when it's raining? A lot of it's outdoors. A lot of walking around outside. That's, I had not thought about that, but no, that's, that's a great point. question. <laughs> Anyway, fantastic setting for Heath Ledger's yeah. debut. It's like a gr- it's like a grand vista behind him. It's so beautiful, it's extremely amazing. charming. Yeah. Here's my question to the other people on this podcast. Yes, if you were in high school and someone who was trying to date you hired the marching band to play a Frankie Valley song and then sang to you while dancing around the stadium, how would you react? Or how would you have reacted? Because we are all well sure. past high school at this point. I'm pretty sure I would have loved it. I would have been so thrilled and also would have been like, wow, you know that I like this movie. That's so great. <laughs> I, If somebody did this to me, I would probably have been like, no, chill out. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about this in private. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I tried to do it, though, I think it would have worked. I believe that. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this because right now, if you asked 33-year-old Amanda... It's a hard no. Sure. It's a please never confront me in any sort of public setting at all. Mm-hmm. I think high school Amanda would have been really charmed. Sure. And everyone on the soccer team is like into it and clapping for him. So like there's not much embarrassment on her part. And even Julia Stiles, the Cat Stafford character is really moved by she it. Is. Which yeah. I guess I believe. Yeah. Sure. Please don't do that now. Okay. Anyone. No flash mobs for me. Okay. Uh, my most rewatchable scene is the one that I often watch at my desk, which is uh, her poem at the end. Let's just listen to her poem really quickly. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse, when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Wait, I have a question. Yes. In what circumstances are you sitting at your desk? Just ask Chris Ryan, okay. Amanda. But I just want to know, like, a general... What part of the day? Yeah. Are you <laughs> feeling sad? Are you feeling happy? What's... It's usually like a 315 event. Okay. And I'm just, like, t- a little tired and so feeling, like, vulnerable and want to watch someone else being vulnerable. Okay. And uh, it's just a great a great poem. She really nam- nails the rhyme at the end. As we learned um, from doing research, it only took one take, and she, the tears were Nailed natural it. and improvised. And uh, I just like a, a movie grand gesture, so I like I like the Heath Ledger <laughs> um, 
uh, singing, and I like her poem. Also, I like her antagonistic relationship with that teacher. Yeah, they have a great relationship. When I love when she's being nice, and she's like, no, that's a great assignment. And he's like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's age the best from this movie? Well, you have to say that the cast is pretty impressive. You've got that's Styles, true. you've got Ledger. You've got Andrew Keegan, who has maybe not had the best acting career, but has gone on to He's have flourished. fame and fortune as a cult leader in Venice. Mm-hmm. Tell us so, about his cult. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of information. I, there are a lot of articles, including one in New York Magazine that I recommend that you read that yes. have gone inside the cult. Cult is possibly an unfair term that might get me sued. So I want to clarify here <laughs> that it is a spiritual organization called Full Circle. Okay. Great that name. He's leading. And they've had some difficulties recently, including the fact that they were busted by undercover agents for selling illegal kombucha. <laughs> so that's kind of where they are. But as I understand, Full Circle is still operational, and they are pursuing sound healing, medical-type practices, food, and health, according to wow. an Andrew Keegan quote to page six. How, so how impressive. Everyone is flourishing, or it did flourish in their own way. He also was in another Julia Stiles movie. He was in O, the Othello remake. Oh. That was tough. That was the downturn <laughs> of the teen Shakespeare trend. Yes, that was that was rough. I think you can say that 10 Things I Hate About You is definitely the highlight of that trend. Started with Romeo and Juliet. This is the peak. Sure. Oh, yeah. real low point. Just really off a cliff. It was a really bad idea. Yes. Hartnett is in that, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. So he finally got his Julia Stiles finally. vehicle. Right. Uh, Andrew, what's age the best? Uh, I would say Cat's wokeness is mm. a before its time. Yes, I agree. Like, right, I was struck rewatching this when she immediately, like, slams Ernest Hem- Hemingway. Yeah. Well, someone refers to Hemingway as romantic, which is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> but just her railing against Hemingway in a very woke way, I was like, oh, I, I could see someone saying that to me today. She's like, the Spanish Civil War is important, people. <laughs> right. Don't call it romantic. Um, Great quote from this. I guess in this society, being male and an asshole makes you worthy of our time. So true, yeah. girlfriend. True. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was really um, was quite ahead of her time. Also, she like played that role really, really well. She was not um, she was not a shrill shrew. She was lovable. What was interesting to me watching this now as an adult, and I don't think I felt this at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, she's still a teenager, but she's pretty cool. Yes. I was just like, I had a lot of envy and respect for how she was conducting her life as a, I suppose, 17-year-old. I was not on that level. I'm still kind of not on that level. No, certainly not. I can't go to, like, a weeknight show at a bar. I had forgotten that they name-check Bikini Kill and the yeah. raincoats, which yeah. is yeah. an incredible <laughs> reference. And, I, you know, I didn't learn about the raincoats till I was... Definitely not in high school. I think I learned about them like last week. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You saw 20th Century Women, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were in 20th Century Women. Maybe that's. Um, I have. It's a very cool character. You don't normally get teenage characters that age that well. It's true. That where adults even have some respect for them, which is possibly means that she was too cool and not relatable to the teens. But Mm -hmm. I'm claiming it as a positive attribute in this space. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think Bianca's wardrobe. Everything that Bianca is wearing is like back in, like her white jeans with a crop top. It's definitely come full circle. Yes. So I, I'm like, oh, okay. So we're back. We're back to this Bianca look, which sure. is, it's just sort of like the tailoring's not really there, but the ideas are. You know, 
A line that had stayed with me is, I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpacks, which is both a hilarious line and is definitely speaks to fashion trends of the moment also. Yeah, absolutely. Or like last year. I don't know whether the the backpacks were still a thing, but they had a renaissance. Can't keep up. That's that's really true. (laughs) Um, What has aged the worst? Some of the soundtrack has. It opens with a remix of Naked Ladies One Week. Was yeah. that a remix? But it, I thought that was just the no, song. No, there's like there's like beats behind it. Oh, well, I enjoy that. And trust me, I would know what the original Bare Naked Ladies One Week sounds like. It's been one week. <laughs> right. and it is true that I hit play and that started. That's, it is positioned as like uh, the popular girls are listening to that song when Kat rolls up listening to like uh, Riot she, Girl music. She, yeah, she drowns them out. But there's also a very unironic Smash Mouth cue mm-hmm. in this movie that... Um, just felt a little corny to me. Smash Mouth had a moment in the 90s on soundtracks. Oh, totally. They also did um, Can't Get Enough of You Baby, right? Yep. That was on the Can't Hardly Wait soundtrack. Oh, yes. True. They had. They were They were popular. They were. They were a thing in the <laughs> 90s, and they no longer are, therefore. there. If you look at the soundtrack, there's some songs you're just like, these these bands are a joke. And like, Daz by Brick. I mean, come on. <laughs> or Saturday Night by Tagana. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But then on the other hand, there's like Atomic Dog by George Clinton and um, the Cardigans. The 90s were a great time for uh, soundtracks. I realized that I spent a lot of time with this soundtrack as a teenager. Like you had the CD, played it in the car? I must have. And I don't have a memory of that. And I don't think, I didn't know that until I rewatched it. And I was like, yep, this one too. <laughs> yep, yep. Great. I went to a Atlanta's Jingle Ball Nice. Bare Naked Ladies and mm. the Cardigans one year, and I was there. Wow. Nice. I was front, and I was not front row. I was in the balcony, but like I was front row to a movement of the Bare Naked Ladies. Other things that have aged poorly? I have one. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and say that flashing a teacher to get someone mm. out of attention would be received in a different yeah. light in the current environment. Absolutely. Also, the teacher would be um, more terrified for his job, I think. Yes. Just in general, I'm concerned with the school's disciplinary policies (laughs) like the movie opens with in Alice and Janney's office as Miss Perky and she's reprimanding she's reprimanding Patrick Verona for putting a sausage in his pants and then revealing it to a lunch lady yes and she's just like don't do that that would be a bigger deal yes in my opinion it's not appropriate also Bianca shoots a teacher in the rear end with an arrow nothing seems to happen a character so that is a good visual. Gag a character though. is firing golf balls just into a crowd of people at one point. Sure, nothing happens. So yeah, I, th- I think just in general, there's a lot. I like how there's a persistent trope in all and all like elementary and high school media of sort of like nerds being able to get away with stuff because they're so smart they can like pull one over like people don't suspect them. So like even like in Stranger Things when they like go and like meet in the AV club or whatever, when you see um, Joseph Gordon Levitt. And David Krumholtz like descend into like what looks like some kind of like nerd lab that <laughs> yeah. is just like it's like a parallel universe, like a parallel society in school or something. That idea hasn't aged; it's just persistent, but it's certainly present in this as well. It's funny. Um, I also I thought that while Bianca's outfits were quite good, Julia Stiles were quite poor. She's the flip side to me. The crop tops that aren't coming back. The platform flip flops took me to such oh. a specific oh my God. moment from in Delia's? time. Yeah. yeah. So in a way, 
I would not wear them again. They have not. That cycle has not returned. Though I guess I don't know. I actually think those are those are back on the market. Platforms are definitely back on the market. Are we doing the flip? I think so. Oh. Wow. The slides were also insi- insidious and everywhere. Yeah. It's interesting. They're like they are good sisters. Like that. Like one. The similar styles, but like yes, but executed differently. I, I'm I'm kind of into it. What do you guys think of the dad upon your rewatch? Ask Bianca who drove her home. Cat, don't change the drove. Who drove you home? Now, don't get upset, Daddy, but there's this boy. Who's a flaming imbecile. Please. And I think he might ask me. Please, I think I know what he's going to ask you. And I think I know the answer. No, it's always no. What are the two house rules? Number one, no dating till you graduate. Number two, no dating till you graduate. That's it. (laughs) Daddy, that's so unfair. I have beef with the dad. Okay. Wow, we've tapped a nerve here. Tell us more, Andrew. And I, I didn't remember this, but... The initial rule is that there's no dating until college. Sure. And then he's like, actually, if Kat starts dating, then Bianca can start dating. New house rule. That's which what he says. really creates a lot of conflict between the two sisters, mm-hmm. which I think is rude and bad parenting. This is a great note. It's true. I was like, what? Wait. Because I always <laughs> thought that that was the original rule. I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's a pivotal. He's wearing the pregnancy suit, and he gives this new edict. The pregnancy suit is a great beat. Still very funny. It is very funny. Here's one question I have. Am I just too old and crotchety now to— I feel like not dating until college, while strict, is not unheard of. Not not unheard of, but not the worst thing that's ever happened to someone. Yeah. Is that— is that just way too conservative? I think it is a little bit. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I just think you could survive that. You'd be yeah, fine. it wouldn't be that. And what would you be missing out on, really? It, it would also be a like I go to school with these people and I see Every these day. people all the time. So I can kind of get around I th- it. I think not being able to leave the house would be a problem. Right. But if you just can't go on a date with some boy who it's going to be annoying anyway, you're really just missing out on bad teenage sex. Yes. Right. And it's quite bad. And awkwardness. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I'm open to the idea. I don't think I would enforce it, but I don't really think it's like everyone is treating this dad like he's a terrible, as crazy we, dad. Right. As we learned from Andrew, that's actually there's a different problem and it's not. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not the initial rule. Yeah. It's that he changes it to create a war okay. in his house. I support you, Andrew. I thought it was funny that the that she's eager to leave the West Coast and go to Sarah Lawrence since that is a major plot point in the new film Lady Bird. Yeah. Which we, which we all love. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was actually when describing the types of miscreants that you date in high school was definitely going to reference the Howard Zinn book. And yeah, all that was it, incredible. Which, and like Dave Matthews, which is well illustrated in Lady Bird. So yes, yeah, it was. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. So this is aged well too. That that yeah. moment. Yes. Did you guys learn anything revelatory in doing any half-assed uh, internet research about this film? I learned that Andrew Keegan didn't know how to draw a penis. Yes. That's really odd. That's just in general. What? How? (laughs) Also, Andrew Keegan, you have one. Yeah, (laughs) it's really weird. (laughs) It doesn't make sense at all. So David Crumholtz was like, "Here's how." I I just can't even conceive of it. Maybe he was just having some problems with his representation of the... Maybe he knows what a penis looks like, but the connection of putting it on he the couldn't. paper might be difficult for him. I'm not going to say that I could sit here and draw, a, like, perfectly. Okay. I know where things should go. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. Like It's not like they were like, draw the Sistine Chapel of penises. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were... You can tell he doesn't know how to draw one, by the way. Yeah, totally. It's like an awkward I scene. Went, I went to an all-boys school, so I've seen many 
penis is drawn in my day, and that is not how one does it. <laughs> he does it in like four different parts, and it's like, no, that's not the efficient way to draw. Well, he's kind of building it. That I understand because <laughs> you're like building to a punchline, and then I'm like, oh, it's a dick. But, you know, I'm just saying – I'm just defending people who can't draw. Sure. And that t- this touches on a, a good note, though, completely unrelated. I do think it's like a very well-directed movie, like even to down to the process of drawing a penis. <laughs> like there's a lot. It, it's sort of like it's a, it's a tight 90 minutes, which mm-hmm. I know Amanda loves. So true. Like it's just like shot for shot. It's like it's well done. I don't know. It just hits all the right notes, except Corey and Andrew, how to draw a penis. That's who knew? <laughs> that was That's pretty... Uh, Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hi, Bachelor Nation. This is Juliette Littman, host of the Bachelor Party podcast. A new season of The Bachelor is in full swing, and so the podcast is back. But this time, I have my own feed. You can find new episodes every Monday night by going to theringer.com slash podcast or by subscribing to Bachelor Party wherever you get them. Come for the recaps and roses. Stay for the drama and for moments like this. Please tell me you don't already have a little wiener. I do not have this. So, yeah, you did did good. Don't forget, subscribe to the Bachelor Party Podcast today. It's available everywhere, including Apple and Spotify and Google. All right, let's get back to 10 things. Best heat check performance by a role player, the Dion Waiters Award. I never understand what this award means, but I know that Andrew Keegan wins it. I, yeah. I agree it's Andrew 100%. Keegan. <laughs> I literally don't know, but it's Andrew Keegan. It's someone who um, is sort of like doing so well, they're like on fire and okay. sort of like also punching above their weight class. Andrew Keegan. Yeah. Looking fresh tonight, pussy cat. Wait, was that? Did your hairline just recede? Hey, where are you going? Away. Your sister here? Stay away from my sister. Oh, I'll stay away from your sister. But I can't guarantee she'll stay away from me. He's really good. When he's showing her the two yeah. the like the two uh modeling photos, like this one or this one, it's just amazing. And he's a prick in all the right ways at every moment. He's so good. Um He calls someone a cheese dick at one point, which yeah. is just like a great nineties bully term. He is really good. The modeling at the party, yeah. also mm. an iconic. Just, just great stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we just need to go over the rest of this cast, though. Just okay. like, just pretty, pretty impressive. So okay. we've got Gabrielle Union, mm-hmm. yeah, who plays the best friend of Larissa Olenek and turns out to be um, bitchy Man. at the end. I was disappointed in that, but like, can you can you believe it? Gabrielle Union, she just she's just been killing it for so long. She really has. And this started it all. The thing, the reason it's so clearly Andrew Keegan is because he, there's nothing you could even like say is even close to as good in his filmography. Everyone else has, I mean, I think Gabrielle Union, she's had an amazing career, but like her signature movie, bring it on. I would say Camp Nowhere is a really good Andrew Keegan performance, <laughs> but uh, continue. Okay, fair enough. Noted. David Krumholtz, the man of numbers. Yes. I mean, he's got that CBS money for the rest of his life. I have not kept up with the deuce, which is a thing that I probably shouldn't admit, but I just did. anyway. (laughs) But I was told by someone, I was told that he is kind of the sleaziest porn director possible on the deuce. Okay. And which is really just quite a range. Yeah. He he also is a child star who avoided many of the pitfalls of being a child star. That's true. Because his first movie was in 1993. It was Life with Mikey. Michael, it was a Michael J. Fox movie. Oh, wow. Um, we also got Susan May Pratt, who then went on to play many um, bitchy women in movies for teens, including um, She's All That 
and Center Stage. Center Stage. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. In Center Stage, that's when she when you start to love her though. When that's she, her Dion Waiters. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Not that I there still. You go. Yeah, there you I go. Did. I got it. I yes. just I just want you to know that I have Center Stage saved on my DVR for viewing at all times. I support you entirely. <laughs> I actually vividly remember the weekend that that came out. I was in high school and I was invited to go see it with a group of people. And for some reason, I didn't go. And then I saw it myself a week later. Oh, that's a delightful experience. And, no, but I just remember the, the shame of being in high school and not getting to experience that with another group of people. That's how much I love Center Stage. Yeah, it's really good. That's when all. when I was um, 14, we're dancing the song and we're dancing. Mm-hmm. That was like just the jam, like the most important song. Yes. Okay, moving right along. Allison Janney, great performance. Yeah. So, I hear you were terrorizing Mr. Morgan's class again. Expressing my opinion is not a terrorist action. The way you expressed your opinion to Bobby Ridgway? By the way, his testicle retrieval operation went quite well, in case you're interested. She makes the most of her time. She really does. And it kind of kicks off a run for her because the West Wing starts that year Mm -hmm. as well. This is the same year as the West Wing. Wow. (laughs) I know. And wildly different characters. She looks so different in the two of of them. It's just huge. And then we haven't even talked about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's fine. I've never been into him, but he's. I love the movie Inception, another rewatchable. Mm-hmm. He was also in The Dark Knight Rises. True. He is right. a hipster heartthrob to many. There are people who like 500 Days of Summer. Oh, God. I'm, I'm not among them. Nor am I. Andrew? I used to be. Oh, no. And then I, I watched it again, and I was like, oh, man, this is a little too much for me. No. no. I like JGL in this movie. Sure. He's, he's a nerd. His voice cracks really well. At times where you really buy into him as a dork. I think part of the problem is he just should be a, no, a nerd. And he was turned into like a hipster hottie. And I just don't care for it. Mirrors the arc of a lot of people in my life. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. So good. While we're talking about 500 Days of Summer, that reminds me. I wanted to ask you guys how you feel the final prom scene compares to other great dance scenes of, of the genre. So we've got the She's All That. Dance, homecoming dance, with uh, DJed by Usher and the the choreo. Of course. <laughs> There's also the visually very similar dance from Drive Me Crazy, the Melissa Joan Hart, Adrian Grenier movie. Yes. The, then there's all of the, there's a lot of dancing in Save the Last Dance, obviously. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there is like a dance at the end, but really the club dancing is what's what's important there. I don't think of this is one of the one of the top high school dances, but it does have um, letters to Cleo. Yeah. She's all that I think is the the top of the mountain in this one. Can you believe Usher agreed to play a DJ in a teen movie? It makes no sense. It's sort of like a, a weird note to me that, that they don't land the dance. It's just it's just not as good as the other ones. I, I don't think um, dress up is in like formality is really this movie's strong suit. Well, normally the dress the dance is where things are resolved. Like I, Pretty in Pink is the famous example where she goes. You know, she and Jake. Uh, yes. Jake are having their issues, and then they finally show up the dance, and she looks wonderful. And Jake's not his name. That's the name in Sixteen Candles. I don't know his name. Pretty Pink. Um, yeah, it's fine. Keep going. Yeah, they don't resolve things here, so it exactly. kind of leaves a bad note. That's it's a good point. It's not the climax of the movie. It's just kind of, and you're the whole time you're watching it, and you're like, but Heath Ledger got paid to take you on this date, and you're yeah. gonna find that out. Right. You can't enjoy it too yeah. much. Too tense. Was this anyone's apex? I mean, I guess Andrew Keegan. Both both the heat check performance and his apex. <laughs> Congratulations, Andrew. He went out on top. Just so you know, that's a real Dion Waiters move to have your heat check be your apex. That's, well, that's great. that's doing it. 
What would Julia Stiles's apex be? I think it's I think it's say the last dance, even though I take issue with her yeah. dancing. Yeah, I would say that that is too. I would put this over say the last dance. Interesting. It's a tough. That's that's a tough hang. I just think she's out outshined by Heath Ledger so much, and I don't think that Sean Patrick Harris brings it in the same way. Also, the weirdest thing about Save the Last Dance, Carrie Washington's in that movie. Just like, it's like a different Carrie Washington, though. Like, if, if you were like, Carrie, this was Carrie Washington 1, she was abducted by aliens, and then she returned, and now we have Carrie Washington 2, I'd believe you. I believe that. I don't really remember her in it. She's the sister who, like, over-enunciates, just like Olivia Pope, moves her jaw too much. Oh, wow. That's the only way you can tell it's the same person. <laughs> I also happen to enjoy Julia Stiles on Dexter. I'm not embarrassed to say. Okay. Lumen? Is that her name? Lumen, yes. Lumen. Lumen. I think there are people who would also push for Bornite for the Bornite. Oh, yes. And that would be Chris Ryan. Yes. So we should honor that. She is good in those. I enjoy her. I enjoyed the film The Prince and Me. So. Yeah, sure. Mona Lisa Smile was pretty tough. Yeah. O was tough. Yeah. So those were all bad. She had a rough patch. But then she went to Columbia. She grew up. And then she returned. You know what movie I love that she's in is State in Maine, and she has the affair with Alec Baldwin that kind of like leads to leads to the unraveling of the film production. But she's really good in that. She doesn't talk that much, but she's a, a key part of the David Mamet production. She plays an important role in Silver Linings Playbook. She's great in that. Yeah, she's yes. very good being mean to everyone. Yeah. She's yeah. very good at being mean. This yes. is kind of what I respond to. Yes. And so that's why I like this movie. Okay, so Andrew Keegan, he really burned hot and fast in this movie. Yes. Good for him. Yeah. Biggest moments of unintentional comedy. There are a few like montage scenes. Mm. The first one is Julia Stiles um, playing an electric guitar with headphones on. Does mm. anyone? It's very. Does anyone do that? Like, is that a thing? It's it's like a thing that if you went to Guitar Center, you might see like a fifty year old man doing it. <laughs> um, but like Heath Ledger walks up behind her and is just kind of staring at her. That scene made me laugh really hard. Right. And then the other one is. Bianca is moping, and she's in a tire swing. Sure. And it's just visually hilarious. Um, and yeah, they like, cut back to Cat's uh, face, and it's just all really funny for me. I do enjoy a ride in a tire swing. I found there to be many um, unintentional comedic moments in the various bar scenes of, like, uh, let's just put unintentional comedy and unanswerable questions together because it's comical. How are these high school kids getting into bars yeah, on weeknights? Uh, how old is Patrick Verona in this movie? You could tell me he's like 19 or 36. Yeah. But certainly not in high school. He's just drinking beer in the open. Well, he, he it, took a year off. You I know, his grandfather it, was sick. Oh, in the open. I thought at the bar the first time that we see letters to Cleo. I thought he was drinking soda and she he's gets waters. Dr- There's a bar scene before that where okay. he's just drinking beer yeah. and like playing pool. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and they go like recruit him for the job. That's yeah. right. The yeah. recruiting mission. Sure. Um, there's just a lot of bars for a high school movie, which is weird. Like, is that some kind of like right. Pacific Northwest nod? Like, that we're so cool and lax up here. Bars for all ages. Last... No, no clue. It's like a 16 and over thing. Me- yeah, maybe there's like a music club that's 18 and over. Except sure, that's what the limelight was like when I was in high school. Right, and so that's where she's going to see Letters to Cleo. Seems fun. The only thing is, like, that would not be a fun venue if it were real. Suspiciously <laughs> well lit, and yes. there was, like, a lot of very clean surfaces in it. Yes. And I don't know that the casting for that particular club was really realistic. It was a little Hollywood sheen. Sure. If yeah. you will. Sure. 
It's just just really questionable. And it's certainly that father, if he's not allowing dating, wouldn't allow like Yeah, you can't go to shows. Yeah, a show on a Tuesday or something. Though maybe the fact that it's mostly All women, women. Yeah. Makes it a safe space. He knows space. the right. scene at Club Skunk. He's really only concerned about uh, sperm count. Yeah. So right. if there's not a lot of sperm, <laughs> that's, then that's true. you're going to be okay. It's all good. Yeah. Are there other nits to pick with this movie? Yes, I have one. Okay, let's hear it. The resolution of the movie is kind of bullshit. She finds a guitar in her car, yeah. and she's like, everything is forgiven, and they try to acknowledge it. And she says, don't think that you can just buy me a guitar every time you do something wrong and it's okay. And also, Heath Ledger is so charming and pretty that you don't even care. Because yeah. as soon as he's smiling, <laughs> totally. he's like, I like you. I'm like, sure, yeah, whatever. They essentially do not resolve the issue at all. No. He just gives her a guitar yeah. and she says, okay, it's fine. That's when this movie becomes a rom-com. You're like, oh, okay, completely unrealistic resolution. All right, let's roll the credits. <laughs> There's a band on top of the roof. Yeah, no big deal. It's a, it's it's a betrayal of the character. Exactly. That's my issue. Yeah. I don't mind rom-com magic wands because I love rom-coms, but she would at least make up. him sweat it out for like another few days. Like, yeah, thanks for the guitar. I'll get back to you. Yeah, which again yeah. is a little I don't understand why they wait so long in the movie to do it. And it's kind of the problem with the dance scene of you know that this hurdle is still left to be cleared, but it hasn't, and so you can't enjoy the dance scene and then they rush the resolution. It is quick. Had a comfort uh, time. They're like 90 minutes in and out. Heath Ledger's face definitely helps. Yes. He's adorable. I mean, it's the same thing as Hanks and You've Got Mail. Like a charming guy can sell anything in one of these movies. And I'm the first one to. That's how these movies get us. Like specifically me and Amanda. (laughs) It's very true. But I'm just kind of sitting there. And I mean, his line is great when he's like, you know, there was always the bass and the drums and everything. Like, oh. That would work 100 out of 100 times me on me. Me too. 100%. But it is bullshit. <laughs> totally. And it's particularly because they go to such pains to make her such like a, like a you know, women's rights feminist. Right. Yeah. Like reading the bell jar. Uh, best quote. I already did. I love my Prada backpack, which That's is a true. pretty good one and quite prescient. Really good. Um, I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? <laughs> Great. It's amazing. It's very good. <laughs> Their lines together are so great. Mine remains the poem, of course. It's just unassailable. I love I love it so much. The, f- the final category in this podcast is who won the movie. I mean, it's Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. It's absolutely Heath Ledger. <laughs> I'm so glad we have a consensus on the supremacy of both Andrew Keegan and Heath Ledger. No shots of the women in this movie. Those two just really, they, they got to the mountaintop. And with Keith Ledger, it came with a, a, a marching band. It's true. Who can say no? He's also really good at concussion protocol, which I respect. <laughs> <laughs> he's very, he's very like on top of that. He's like, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. I, I was like, wow, this guy really knows his stuff. They didn't address how he got her to wake up again because she did fall asleep. Like she goes unconscious, and then next thing you know, they're sitting outside together. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he got her some water or something. Smelling salts. Yes. Perhaps he has a first aid kit. She does also shake off the concussion within 20 minutes. Well, she, suddenly she was fine. She's a she's... sober. B has no concussion and is fine. And then they have to. I suppose she's still drunk because that's why he won't kiss her, which is very considerate. Yeah. Right. Or will he yeah, not yeah. kiss her because of the money? Uh, I thought Either it way, was because to him. I thought it was because she was drunk. That he didn't. That might be a 2017 reading. I think but it's because of the money. I think it's because of the money. <laughs> okay. But. Perhaps he's then respectful. Then he made out with her, w- even with the money, for like half the movie. Well, then he had yeah. fallen for her later on. 
They right. go to like a paintball thing. So how could you not? The paintball scene is hilarious. I can't think of a date I would enjoy less than, a, <laughs> than paintball. Getting injured, being dirty, and running around. They also do paintball without guns. They're paintball. Yeah, guns. I've never seen this kind of paintball. That's probably less less painful than with a gun. It would hurt. It would like pinch a little bit, but it, paintballs like the real paintball hurts. Yeah. a lot. Oh, I've never done. It. I've just I heard about it. I assumed that it was just for filming purposes because like a paint balloon looks really beautiful, <laughs> and if you're just suddenly running around like shooting each other from thirty feet away with paintball guns, it's it's not really the same cinematic experience. Sure. It's really they do a yeah. lot with the colors and the paint splattering on that. It's a very bright movie visually. Yeah. That's because it's so delightful. It really is just like fun. I, I just I had a great time rewatching it. I would say it's kind of one of the best '90s teen movies it's, for me. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible teen high school movie. I think it's maybe my favorite teen comedy. And then Romeo and Juliet How bold. is the favorite teen drama. drama. I mean, what else is in the running? Uh, I can't hardly wait. It's mine. Okay. Yeah, those two. I might go ten things I hate about you though. Wow, guys, you just have a love of Shakespeare. That's it, so yeah. true. You respect the classics. I am like Maureen from. Center stage in this movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> really respect the classics. Um, we can do a special B side Center Stage. I don't know if it qualifies as a rewatchable, but I will rewatch it and then we can discuss it. That sounds great. Will you also be performing the dances? I'll try. Okay, you know you that. Can do the pirouettes on the the at the end. You know the blonde. Oh, sure, you yeah. got it. The, you know the blonde is on Suits, by the way. No, she's yes, not. She is. She's been on the recurring for the last like three or four seasons. Jody. Jody. Wow. She's like a hard hitter on the show. Okay. It's, it's really good. Well, Andrew, that's... watch Center Stage yeah, I guess I and Suits. Okay. This has been the rewatchable on 10 Things I Hate About You. Thanks for listening. We've got plenty more movies for you to catch up on. These podcasts are always here for you. So, you know, go and watch The Fugitive and face off in 10 Things I Hate About You and then come back to the feed. We're just here waiting, us and all of our colleagues. Thanks for listening. This has been Juliette Littman, Amanda Dobbins, Andrew Gretadaro. Farewell. <laughs>